We've been in Ephesians for for quite a while now. Uh, we've been in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, is where we've been for the last few weeks. And in this passage, uh, the the theme that I kind of honed in on was this idea of, of living life in time. Part of that was because of what Paul's encouragement is. He says, be careful how you walk. Uh, and he says, to redeem the time, because the days are evil. And, and there's this idea that we are creatures of time, and we can't go forward in time or back in time. We can't do any of that, can we? And so knowing that you have one shot at this second right now, one opportunity at this moment, that should affect how you live your life, your living life in time. And so you have to think about how you do this. And that's why Paul said, be careful then. Think about how you live your life. Now last week we got to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And I gave you a really easy command. I gave you two things. And I said, if you could do these two things. And I bet, I bet everybody did a great job with the first one. I could be wrong. I bet everybody did a great job with the first one. Anybody remember what was the first one? Oh, we'll see how well you're paying attention, huh? Nobody remembers? Oh, nice job. My wife remembered it. I didn't let her get drunk this week. <laughs> Don't get drunk, right? Remember, Paul says, be not drunk with wine, but instead he says something else. What's the rest of that? Be, be filled with the Spirit. Good job. Right? Be filled with the Spirit. And I bet most of you, hopefully all of you, didn't do the first part. But one of the big questions I asked last time was, not, not just that first part, but, you know, in fact, we, we've kind of gotten a little pat on the back. You know, some of you have gone the distance with that first half of the command. Not just, am I not going to get drunk? I'm not even going to touch the stuff. Right? And you've gone the distance with the first half of that command. And you've completely neglected the second half. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. I mean, just as much as the first half is a command, the second half is also a command, is to be filled with the Spirit. And the question shouldn't be, what what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? The first question you have to ask is, why haven't I obeyed that part? And maybe maybe part of it's because you you don't know what it means. You think, I don't know what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But, But you've gone the distance with, you know, this... Don't get drunk, and you've gone the distance with it. But what about the second part? Have you been obedient in that second half of this? Now, I gave you an illustration last week. I, I gave you the illustration. I said, you know, being filled with the Spirit is kind of like uh, that command is a passive imperative. And it's kind of like if I told you to grow a garden, right? Grow a garden. Now, you can plant the seeds, and you can water it, and you can tend it, and you can do all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, can you actually grow the garden yourself? No. Ultimately, who grows the garden? God does. And so there, it's important to understand that when we think about being filled with the Spirit, it's a, it's a command that's similar to that in that it's a passive imperative. It's a, it's a command, that's what imperative means, but it's passive because you can't ultimately fill yourself with the Spirit, but yet it's still written as a command, be filled with the Spirit. And so one of the ways I talked about that is that it's, it's similar. Paul's actually trying to make a make a connection here with this, what you're not to do and what you should do. And so I said, one of the best ways to be filled with the Spirit is to drink deeply of the things that have to do with the Spirit. Spiritual things, drink deeply of those things. Immerse yourself in spiritual truth and the Word of God and being at church and, and knowing what these things are about, hearing uh, truth taught to you. 
But you know what? Here's the thing we can say for sure. We need to be spirit-filled believers. Bottom line. We need to be, according to what Paul's saying, living life in time. If we're going to live this life the way God would want us to live, if you're going to experience this moment, even today, right now, while you're sitting at church, listen to this preacher up here talking. If you're going to experience this moment the way God would have you to experience it, it would be to experience it as a person that is filled with the Spirit of God. You can't make that happen. But you can begin to cry out, Lord, okay, all right, fill me up with your Spirit today. I don't want to miss what you might have for me today. I don't want to miss it. Now Paul, after he gets done saying, be filled with the Spirit, he he ventures into what is that look like? What does it look like to be a person that's filled with the Spirit? I mean, we talked a little bit about how that happens. It's, 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 a, it's a command, but it's passive. You have to, at the end of the day, you've got to ask God, fill me with your Spirit. We talked about that. But, but what does it look like to be a person who's filled with the Spirit? And that's exactly what Paul's going to tell us next. What does it look like to be a Spirit-filled believer? And I think it's really interesting the things that he talks about. It may not be the things that you're thinking of. I'm going to summarize these things into two words. Uh, community, worship. Being a spirit-filled believer, he kind of summarizes in this idea of community worship. Let's read the passage. Ephesians 5.19 says this. Right after he says, be filled with the Spirit, the very next thing he says is, addressing one another... In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Okay? Now, before I dig, before I dig into this at all, I just want to say, and I'm going to come back to this again. Well, I just want to say that I, I love the connection that Paul's making here. Because as opposed to the being drunk with wine, in fact, uh, one of the things that you maybe know of when it comes to people who drink is, isn't there music that goes along with that? Would you say that is true? I mean, people are singing about Margaritaville, right? There's an aspect of, there's there's a joyous outpouring from getting drunk, in a sense. Can you see that? And what Paul's doing is saying, more than the, this way, because drunkenness leads, he says, to debauchery. Like the, all, the rules are gone, and, and, and that is is completely wrong lifestyle that ultimately comes from drunkenness. He says, but but similar to that, uh, drunkenness is to be a person that's filled with the Spirit. And one of the first things he starts to say when he says being filled with the Spirit, the very first thing he comes to is song, music. I just think that's awesome. I love this passage. But now, let's, take it, let's, let's kind of break it down a little bit. First of all, no, I want you to notice this. Number one, in this passage, Ephesians 5.19, the first thing we have to notice is this. Spirit-filled worship is community-minded. That's why I had to say community worship there at the beginning. Spirit-filled worship is community-minded. Notice that Paul said, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spirits. So, did you catch that at the beginning there? Addressing one another in your Song. That word addressing in other places in the Bible means actually literally speaking to. And so Paul's saying you should speak to each other in your songs. I think that's interesting, isn't it? 
When you come here to sing, it's not just about you, in other words. It's about all these other people in the room. Paul wants you, and God wants you, when you come here and you're singing, to be speaking to the other people in this room through your song. In fact, one of the questions you may want to ask when you think about church music, because I, I get all kinds of questions and thoughts and, and things about church music, but one of the most important questions you should ask about church music is not what you like, but you need to be looking at these people that are in the room with you and saying, what speaks to you? If we're supposed to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, one of the questions you've got to ask is, what speaks to you? So let me put that out there. What speaks to you? You need to be aware. See, there's a community aspect. You need to be aware of looking around the people around you. What, what kind of music, what, what style or, or what, what aspect of music or what song specifically? Because I, I bet there's some songs in here that when you hear them, they speak to you. Maybe it was one of them we did this morning. Maybe it was Amazing Grace. I mean, people love that song. It's been around for such a long time. People hear it and they just love it. And they, There's a lot of people that that song really speaks to them. Right? And we want to sing those kinds of songs that are spiritually matter. We'll talk more about this, but one of the most important things is that there's a community aspect when it comes to our music. We need to be asking about each other. What speaks to you? What, what music is it that you, that, that really, that what songs is it that really speak to you? This community aspect of uh, worship was important to Jesus. You may not know this, but there are four places in the Bible that talk about Jesus singing. Did you know that? Four places in the Bible. One of them comes from Hebrews chapter 2. The author of Hebrews is quoting an Old Testament passage, and he's telling us about how Jesus was not ashamed to call us, and specifically his disciples, brothers. Right? He wasn't ashamed to call those disciples his brothers. And so the author of Hebrews says this, He says, that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers, speaking of God, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Speaking about Jesus. I wonder what kind of singing voice Jesus had. There's two examples in Matthew chapter 26 and in Mark chapter 14, a parallel passage talking about the Last Supper, where after they were done, Jesus sang with his disciples. In some versions it says they sang a hymn with his disciples. And can you imagine being there and experiencing what that was like? Shortly before being taken into uh, uh, you know, captivity by the Romans and, 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 and taken to the cross, Jesus is there after he has uh, what we call communion with his disciples and then he sings with them. How amazing would that be to sit and sing with Jesus? Um, most likely, the, the psalm that Jesus sang was probably Psalm 114 to 118. Very customary psalm after the Passover to sing. And it's also interesting that um, it was probably sung in responsive singing. Uh, many Jews in those days, they would sing where you'd have the, the leader would sing a verse and then everybody else would sing a verse back to the leader. Right? And then the leader would sing the next verse and then they would sing back and they would go back and forth. One historian... Uh, a man named Pliny, he was writing to the emperor, Trajan, and he wrote, They are wont, and that's not a typo, that's a word, wont. Uh, they are wont on a fixed day to meet before daylight to avoid persecution. He's speaking about the church. And he says, And to recite a hymn among themselves by turns. Uh, and they were doing it to Christ as if being God. And so this idea of addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
those early Christians may have taken it even more literally than we do. Literally singing back and forth to each other. Isn't that interesting? Now, obviously, I'm not suggesting that we need to start doing that because you really don't want me to sing solo to you and you respond back. But I love the idea. Their thought is this. These songs are meaningful. They're purposeful. There's things that we're trying to accomplish. It's not just filling up the time with a, uh, a religious activity that we're used to doing. Well, you go in, you sing some songs, and then the preacher preaches, then you go home, right? That's not what it's about. Those songs are meant to be meaningful and purposeful in how we get together. They're meant to say something to you, and you, as you're seeing them, are meant to say something back to us. It's a community-minded venture when we think about uh, singing together as Christians. Now, this leads me to my second point. Number two, spirit-filled worship should be rich and full. Let me explain what I mean by that. Rich and full. Notice some of the things that Paul said after he said addressing one another. He said Psalms, okay, literally talking about the book of Psalms, okay, Psalms. And so there's this, this history. I mean, that was a long time before Paul was around, the book of Psalms was. So there's a historical aspect where they're pulling from this rich history of music into the, the church. And then he says this he says, hymns. Now, believe it or not, those hymns in our hymn book, none of those were around back in this time. And that word literally means uh, songs of praise. And so let's put that up there, praise songs. It, it literally means, in some versions you may read, actually translated as praise songs. So we've got psalms, we have hymns or songs of praise. And then thirdly, he said, spiritual songs. Now, there's two possible meanings for spiritual songs. One is that it's just songs about spiritual topics. But the most likely meaning is that it was songs that were led by the Spirit of God. And so they were things that would have been new to them. As they as Christians were getting together, the Spirit was leading someone to be moved in this direction, to write a song, to praise God. And don't you praise God for musically inclined people? I mean, really. I I have to be honest. I've tried my hand at poetry it's not good. I've gotten lucky a couple times. I like writing haikus, short and sweet. But I have to say, I, I'm amazed at the, the words and the depth of words that come from some men of God when they begin writing about who God is. I love it. Aren't you thankful that God has, is still pouring His Spirit out into people's lives to write music? You know, it's not like writing poetry isn't, isn't manly. In fact, let me give you an example. I, I know of this guy, he could outman any man in this room. He, there, there are stories of him, this guy, he killed a lion one time. On another occasion, he killed a bear. Right? This is a manly man. I'll tell you what else he killed, or who else he killed, and when I tell you this, you'll know who I'm talking about. There's even a story of him going out on a battlefield when an entire army was afraid to go out there with just a sling? Who am I talking about? David. Killed a giant of a man. He was a warrior. Fought in many battles. Was known for his, his, his ability to fight. And yet, he was also musical, wasn't he? Played the harp. Wrote 
most of the book of Psalms wrote poetry. I praise God for people like that. David specifically was a man after God's own heart, the Bible tells us. And frankly, we need people who are filled with the Spirit in this way to continue to bless us with music. I like uh, Martin Luther. Martin Luther from the Reformation time period wrote uh, him, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Have you ever heard that one before? Uh, John Wesley, preacher, uh, wrote several hymns. Even recently, there's a man named Keith Green. His music played a huge impact in my life. Played a huge part in my life in pointing me to, to live and sold out for God. There's others even today, like Rich Mullen. Some of you know who that is. Still today, writing music that praises God. And if we're going to be obedient to this command, we need to continue to pray that God will bless people so that we can sing psalms, we can sing hymns, songs of praise, and songs that are still spiritually inclined. Spiritual songs, things that are new. Notice as well the depth of the music. Twice Paul says, singing. Right? He says singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Then he comes back to you because singing, making melody. I mean, you're to be a kind of person who sings. Sing. I like that connection, like I said before, between the, the, the drunken singing and, and Paul's pouring into when you're being filled with the Spirit, there's going to be singing as well. Notice he talks about making melody. This is a word that literally means uh, to sing with stringed instrumentation. Hey, we did that today, didn't we? Right? Do we have some stringed instrumentation going on over here? And so making melody is, is talking about those things. And so you see this when Paul plays out what music is to look like. It's full, it's rich, it's full. There's variety there. There's, there's all different kinds of singing. But we can't miss the basic point there is that we need to be people who sing. Next I want to say this. Number three, spiritful worship is Christ-centered. It's focused on Jesus. Notice it says, to the Lord. You're singing, make melody heart, to the Lord. It's directed to Him. Even though we're singing and addressing one another, we have an audience. Now get this. When you walk in here, you have an audience with Jesus Christ when you sing. Were you thinking about that today when you were singing? Some of us, that were honest, we're thinking about lunch. We're thinking about this, we're thinking about that, we're thinking about all these other things, we're thinking about, you know, how many verses does this thing have? (laughs) Right? We're to be singing, Paul says, focused on Jesus. We have an audience with Him. We're singing to the Lord. You don't have to wait to heaven to sing to Jesus Christ. You can do that here at church when we get together and worship together. Singing to Jesus. Notice as well, Paul says, spirit-filled worship is to be genuine, because he says, with your heart. And it's this idea that from the depths of who you are, from your inner being, you're saying to, to Christ, to the Lord, from your heart. It must be genuine. I always think about this when we go to the nursing home. One of, my, one of the greatest things I love is when we go to the nursing home, and, and it's, it's so, it, those who have been there with us, it's so wonderful. You'll see uh, some of the people there that, that love when we come to sing with them. And you'll see, you'll see people's faces light up. And there's hymns that they haven't heard for years, and those hymns speak to them. 
And you'll see them begin to... They, they don't even need the paper we give them. They know those words by heart. And they begin to pour out. There's a genuineness there. I, I love it especially when you'll see uh, one or two people who, whose eyes start to tear up as they're sitting there and they're listening to this music that they've heard. And they're just praising God while they're doing it. How about you today? It says to sing and make melody to the Lord with your heart. What was some of the songs we sang here? We sang Amazing Grace. When you were singing that, did you mean it? Grace is amazing. It's a sweet sound to you. When you said that saved a wretch like me, is that how you think of yourself? A wretch. How about when we sang Refiner's Fire? You know what a refiner's fire is? Hot fire, put stuff in to refine it, right? You're thinking, I don't really get the idea, but I know you're refining things and they're purifying things. And if you think about that song we were singing, the refiner's fire. Did you mean it when you said it? Were you singing to the Lord with your heart? Lord, refine me. Drive out those impurities in my life. I mean, how easy is it to just come here and, and sing those words and not mean a thing we're saying? Who would say, who would agree with me? That's an easy thing to do, isn't it? To come here and just, we know the words and we go through the motions and we do what we need to do. But if you want to be obedient to God's command for you today, you need to, as you're singing the songs, it needs to be from the heart. Say, all right, Lord, I'm going to sing a refiner's fire song and I want to mean it when I say it. Lord, purify my heart. Cleanse me from within. There's other songs I think about. I encouraged uh, our Sunday school class this morning. How many times have you sung, I surrender all and didn't even think about what you were saying? Who, who's ever sang that song at the end of a church service, I surrender all? How many of you ever sung that and not even thought about it? You're afraid to raise your hands, aren't you? <laughs> I have. You think about what you're saying. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. Are you willing to say those words and mean them? And we could go on. We could talk about several different passages and of, of songs that we've sung and, and how they play a role in that way. Notice number five, though. Number five says, that I have this. Spirit-filled worship is focused on gratitude. Notice verse 20 says this. Giving thanks, he pours right from that into saying giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's this, this thankfulness. Notice he says, always and for everything. Gratitude acknowledges our place in this world. And so our worship needs to be full of gratefulness, full of gratitude. And as Christians, spirit-filled worship is focused on gratitude. Number six, spirit-filled worship is submissive to others. Notice verse 21. What does he say? Submitting to one another. He pours right from singing to, to, to gratitude. And he pours right into this next thought. And so it's connected. In fact, it's part of the original sentence. Submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. And so there needs to be this, this submission to other people. In fact, this particular phrase, I'm not going to delve into too much right now. Because this Phrase sparks off an entire conversation from Paul as he jumps into the next section. What does it mean to submit? In fact, some of you hear that word and you're like, I don't like that word. (laughs) I don't like the sound of that. 
But Paul, he talks about submitting to one another. Part of being a spirit-filled believer is one who understands submission and the role that submission plays in your life of worshiping God. Notice he connects it. Your submission is connected with a reverence for Jesus Christ. So submit to one another. There's this mutual submission as people. And so we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks as we jump into this next part. But I know that this is a lot of information. A lot of thoughts about music, song, worship. And so I want to put up a phrase here that I want you to... to if, if all this other stuff is just kind of, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? I want you to put it all together in this one phrase. Song plays an important role in the life of the Spirit-filled believer. Right? I mean, that's, if there's anything you can get from this passage, it's this. Song plays an important role in the life of a Spirit-filled believer. There's something to this that Paul is telling us. And so this week, I'm going to give you an application that's easy. Just like last week. Right? At least the first part. Let me start off with this, as simple as it can get here. What, what am I to do with this passage, Matt? What, what, how can I be obedient to this passage this week? It's real simple. You ready for it? One word. Sing. You need to be people who sing. Right? Let me give you three reasons to sing. The first one I want to give you is this. Because of this passage, we can say this. Sing for your own obedience's sake, right? To be obedient to this passage of Scripture, you need to be the kind of person that sings praise to God. If you want to obey the Bible this week, praise God with your voice. Make a joyful noise, if you must. But sing. Get, get in your car. Find a Christian radio station. Bring a CD along that's full of music that's praising God. And, and sing, sing as loud as you can. Sing and praise God. But more than those times, come here with us and sing so that you can address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We don't care what your voice sounds like. I am an awful singer. <laughs> Don't listen too close. I know some of you in here are thinking, I, I'm pretty awful at it too. That's not what it's about. The God of the universe is our audience when we come here. And sing praise to Him, knowing that you're addressing each other and encouraging each other with song. So we need to sing. That leads me to this one, sing for the benefit of others. It's not just about you. There's something wonderful when we have this room where everybody's singing out. Not because you sound beautiful, although some of you do. But that's not why. There's something wonderful. See, and I get to stand right up here while you guys are all singing behind me. And, and, and I've talked about this with Ashley before. So there's some days we come in here and we're singing and it's, Amazing grace. And everybody's just kind of mumbling their way through it. That's just depressing. Come here and belt it out, would you? Do it for the benefit of those around you. 
Maybe that person down the, the, down the way from you has been having a bad week. Maybe they've been having a bad month or a bad year. You don't know what encouragement that song might be to that person. Address one another in songs, hymns, spiritual songs. So sing for the benefit of others, not just for yourself. And finally, I told you I was going to come back to this. Like I said, people sing about Margaritaville. They sing about good times. But if there's anybody on this planet that has a reason to sing, it should be us. Shouldn't it? More than anybody else. Frankly, some people put us to shame. The joy that they show from the small things of life outdoes us. We have the greatest thing. We know that if we died today, we would go to heaven, and it has nothing to do with how good you've been. You don't have to hope that you've been good enough. You don't have to weigh it in the balance and like, man, I hope I've been good enough. You've got the God of the universe that loves and cares about you, and His plan for humanity, this redemption that He offered, is amazingly beautiful. Christ came, God in the flesh, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and perfectly so, takes the sin of the world upon Himself. Your sin, He takes upon Himself, and He says, my righteous life, from birth to death, because I lived a whole life, I'm going to impute, is the word that we use, to you. And so one day, you can stand before God, the judge of the universe that created all things, that is perfectly holy and righteous and good and an absolutely just, right judge that does not let anybody off because their good outweighs their bad. And you can stand before him with confidence and say, I have Christ. I've got Jesus. His righteousness. And God will look at you and he'll say, righteous. The word justified is a, is a Greek word that has to do with the, the gavel being brought down and hitting. Declared right. When your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous. You don't have to try to stack up and measure up. It's, that's all taken care of in Jesus. What a wonderful thing to sing about. In fact, I would wager that, that this is the one thing above anything that is worthy of our song is Jesus Christ himself. Sing because Christ is worthy. More than anything, I, 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 I'd even challenge you. You think of something there's, you think that's worth singing about? Compare it to Jesus. He's far greater. He's far greater. Sing because Christ is worthy of your song. Sing to praise Him. Sing to glorify Him. Sing to come here and be obedient to the, the, the command, but, but it shouldn't have to be a command. Even though Scripture over and over again tells us to praise God and to worship God, and so, it shouldn't be a command. We've got the greatest thing in the world to sing about. And there are people that put us to shame by the little things of life that they sing about and get happy about. We've got the greatest thing. As Christians, we should be more full of song than anybody else on this planet. And we should put them to shame.
with our joy, our gratitude to Christ. We should be overflowing with it, not a bunch of deadbeats, right? Let us be that way, full of song. Let let it start to pour out when you're at work, when you're at home, whistling and humming and everything else. What are you so happy about? God, Jesus. You know what he did for me? And this is what this is really about. If you think, okay, well, we've got to figure out how we've got to make sure we sing. You're missing the point. This should be flowing out of us. I'm going to pray for you this week and for me that the joy of the Lord would begin to spark a little fire inside of you so that we wouldn't have to look at a passage like this as just a command. We've got to sing. But that we as people who are full of the Spirit of God, it would just come out. I want to pray that God begins to fill you up with the joy of Jesus Christ in such a way that it will overwhelm you with gratitude and song. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I just I, I want to praise you, God, that you are who you are, that we have more than anybody else on this planet. Lord, we've got something to sing about. We've got something to praise you about. Lord, we should be full of joy for the great thing that you are. Lord, help us to to be full of that joy, to to let it pour out of our spirits this week, Lord. Let it begin this week, Lord. I pray that you be with those in this room that are are just dry and and, and just just a bunch of deadbeats, Lord. There's no joy in the things that have to do with Jesus. Lord, it's not because you're not wonderful. It's because they don't see it. And so, God, I pray that you would open eyes this week that everybody in this room would see how great you are. Lord, we would come back together next week and be full of song. Lord, I pray that the song would travel with us through the week and be with us while we're working and driving and, and talking to people. Lord, just pour out of us. We'd be so full of joy over who you are. Lord, in all these things I ask, Lord, and I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ the one who is worthy, the one whose who's righteous life, Lord, I can claim right now. And I know that, God, you will hear us, not because I've been good enough, but because Jesus was righteous for us. And I can pray in his name for you to answer these requests. And so, Lord, today I pray that your spirit would be poured out on the people in this room in a powerful way this week, more powerful than maybe they've ever experienced in their lives. I pray that they would drink deeply of spiritual truth. They would read your word. They would pray to you. They would cry out to you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.